0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game.
1: Golden State Warriors try to make it five in a row and an opportunity to get over 500. The last time, Mark, we did this show was a week ago, obviously, with Warriors this week. And they were 10 and 4 of course four games under the 500 mark was the high water mark for this team and really sort of hit rock bottom but since then wins over Brooklyn win over Portland the win the huge win over the Boston Celtics and the nationally televised audience and of course last night against the Wizards adds up to four and a chance to get over the 500 mark with a tip today 530 here at 95 7 the game beginning with the pregame show all the action keep it right here as the Warriors and the Blazers get after it once again from Chase we went to the break, and you were teasing us, you talked about a starting lineup and who should come out or who should stay in, or should things remain status quo? Well,
2: I, I think a reason why Steve Kerr, I think, first of all, was hesitant to make a change to the starting lineup, why I think he waits a really long time, longer than any of us might in that position, um, and, and much longer than a lot of fans are willing to, to wait, and I think a reason why he might also be unwilling to just willy-nilly make another change, whether that is when Draymond is available again to reinsert him, or whether that is what one of our callers asked last segment, um, Andrew Wiggins, what do you do with him? Does he eventually become a starter once again? Um, Steve Kerr has pointed to all of the, not the drama, but the lineup changes, uh, including including the... Uh, The starting lineup, but other lineups as well, pointing to all those changes, not consistent all season, pointed to that as the reason for Kavon Looney's struggles this year, because he hasn't been able to really settle into a normal lineup, a normal rotation, a normal set expected, this is what I'm going to get here, this is what I'm going to get there. It's kind of been stop and go and you know, herky jerky and it's just been uneven kind of all season. So I think for that reason, and Kavon Looney not the most important Warrior starter, no one is saying that, but I think that does have an impact on this team more than just Kavon Looney on lineups, on players and certain Places they expect to, you know, be playing with this group, but they're playing with an entirely different group. I think that has an impact, and I think that's part of the reason why Steve Kerr has been so hesitant to make those kinds of changes, and why again he might push off delay even further changes because he wants to find a group, he wants to find a set plan. Now it seems like he's okay with that group being including a number of the young guys, but whatever the group is, I think he wants to find a unit, a group, a plan, a set of lineups, and stick with that for a long time because he wants to allow his team to gain some sort of rhythm moving forward. They haven't really had that all season.
1: Yeah, I think to your point, if you're going to be relevant, if you're going to be good in the NBA, there's got to be a level of consistency. Yep like you look at any NBA team that is good any NBA team that gets to the playoffs or wins titles you can basically tell you, you can lay out who their starting 5 is and usually who's going to be first or second off the bench and get into their rotation and so yeah there has to be a sense of uh, consistency and sustainability so that you know who it is that you're going to war with and from a player's standpoint, you want to know who it is that you're playing with because obviously you know, you're interacting with them and you know their game as opposed to being sort of this helter-skelter and bringing in one guy for one game. Oh, no, this guy's playing well, so let's get a new starting lineup. I, I guess the only thing I would say to that, that while that formula certainly is true, there are a couple of things that jump out. First of all, yes, you got to get to a starting lineup, but I think we all agree that this lineup is old. And you need to get young. So as you get younger, unfortunately, the only way you can really sort of find out or figure as to who that starting lineup or find that quote unquote consistency is to play the kids, and when playing kids, sometimes it can be a little bit hit or miss. But if you're going to go that route, which I think the Warriors not only are, but have to, if you're going to open the door and say, it's time, let's bring in Trace Jackson, Davis, let's go Brandon Pajemski, and of course, Moody Kaminga, and all these younger players, it lends to a little bit of, well, the consistency that everybody wants, especially the Golden State Warriors may not necessarily be there on a nightly basis as we try and fine-tune and find out exactly who these young players are going forward.
2: Yes, true. But, like, you're never going to gain that consistency unless you you stick with it at some point, right? Right. Like there is a, and maybe the Warriors just simply aren't in a position to be able to do that because you have Stephen Curry who's thirty five years old, and you have Klay Thompson who's thirty three, off of two major, major uh, leg surgeries and leg injuries. Maybe the Warriors, it's the reality of their situation is they just don't have the ability to afford sticking with something through some struggles, through some issues because they have. Bigger problems that need to be addressed, uh, but at some point, if you are the Golden State Warriors, you're going to have to just be like, "All right, you know what? We love what we're seeing from these young guys, and you know, we're going to give them a little bit more leeway than we have in the past. Maybe that time is still not now. I don't know how Steve Kerr goes about determining when that's the 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 right time. This is almost forced upon him this time because of the you know inavailability of Draymond Green and the injury to uh, Gary Payton II and last night Andrew Wiggins not being uh, available as well for the Warriors. But at some point you're going to have to get to a point, Dan and again, maybe it's not this year, maybe it's not next year, maybe it's not while Stephen Curry is still in the building, but you're going to have to get to a point at some point where you say alright, we can tamper down our our expectations just a little bit, and we're going to kind of ride things out with these talented young guys because in a a small sample, we absolutely love what we're seeing from them. But as is going to happen with any young player in the NBA, uh, when you play them consistent, a bunch of minutes, you're going to get to moments where you're very frustrated. And Steve Kerr, I mean, it's been... Steve, the story of Steve Kerr's entire career with the Warriors, he plays a young guy a couple of minutes, he commits a dumb turnover, and he doesn't see the the floor for the next week. Like, that's just what happens sometimes. But you're going to have to get to a point, and I think Steve Kerr is getting to that point. Is he fully there? I don't think so. He's going to have to get to a point eventually where you're like, alright, we're just going to deal with some of those issues because that's what young players do. It's what they go through. They have to grow through those kinds of moments and they'll come out on the other side better for it. At least that's the hope. We're getting closer to that. I'm not sure we're entirely there yet, but that is, I think for the first time in a while, you can kind of see it on the horizon. It's
1: part of the problem with the Golden State Warriors and because they've been so good and it's a team that when you're talking about the experience and you're talking about a veteran-laden team that's won championships, that's the goal. It's like we, we win titles. We, we're not satisfied by going to the, NBA, the Western Conference Finals or making a deep run. We win championships. And so when you're developing youth, in a team that's expected to win today, it becomes that much more challenging. Because I always talk about this. It's not Detroit. It's not Washington. It's not Portland, where you can just roll out the kids, go ahead and make your mistakes for 82 games. No, absolutely not. We'll only get better. You don't have that luxury with the Warriors. It has to be much more measured. So therein lies, I think, why Steve Kerr earns the paycheck. I do want to get out to the text line really quick. Somebody was talking about the five-one-zero. 0 Talking about pace, this is the text line Talking about pace, they need to trade Chris Paul away, lol like, I don't know if you're going to trade Chris Paul But I do I do think he brings up Or she brings up an interesting point point. And maybe this is just me Chris Paul has been so good He doesn't turn the ball over End of story, I don't care what he does He comes in, he facilitates, you don't turn the ball over For the Golden State Warriors You're of value But the pace is a little... It's a little weird with him because statistically, this is the worst team transitionally getting points. So, there, I mean, that falls counter to what the Warriors have been, their brand, right? Yeah. It's just get out, flare to the three point line, let's go. Let's just get it and go. But with Chris Paul, it's much more methodical. There is no pace. Well, the pace is much more slowed down, it's a half court set. And it just sometimes looks a little bit clunky to me. While it's effective, it doesn't look like war or basketball.
2: Well, I think they overcorrected a little bit because last year they were like the fastest team in the NBA. They ran with a higher frequency than anybody else. As a result, they just were terrible with turnovers. They could not take care of the ball. And I mean, sort of, Warriors basketball has always kind of been chaotic. Hey, Steve Kerr uses the the phrase controlled chaos. That's kind of what he wants. That's ideally how Warriors basketball should look to him. But last year was like the extreme, not very controlled. It was just simply chaotic, and they ran a ton. Um, so I think even if they didn't acquire Chris Paul this offseason, they would have been not as fast of a team. They, they were trying to intrinsically among themselves With what they do, with what they practice, with what they preach, I think they were trying to pull back on the pace just a little bit. You pair that with what Chris Paul brings, and suddenly you are on the other extreme. As you said, you are the least effective fast-break team in the NBA. Uh, You don't run really rarely at all anymore. I would be interested in looking at the data from the last week because they are getting up and down a little bit more now, and a lot of that is Jonathan Kaminga, Trace Jackson Davis to a lesser extent, but specifically it's Jonathan Kaminga and the way he can gallop down the floor and just outrun multiple players and 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 get an easy fast break hoop. Um, but I think the Warriors overcorrected. They went from one extreme all the way to the other. I think there is a happy medium that they can exist in. And while they are still led by veterans and a 35 year old Stephen Curry, Curry can still run with anyone. He can outrun it, maybe not, you know, beating him in a 40 yard dash but he can run for longer than anyone else in the NBA. He's still the best conditioned athlete in this league. He could wear players down. In the fourth quarter, he can still run. His defender has been chasing him around for 40 minutes, doesn't want to run anymore. The Warriors still have the ability to, I think, use that to their benefit, but I think they've kind of course-corrected a little bit too much all the way to the other extreme, and I think there is a reality where they can kind of get back to a little bit of what they did last year without also then swinging all the way back to the other side of it.
1: What do you think about Warriors basketball, so the ball's always moving, right? They always talk about the ball's got to pop, and that's how the Warriors, when they're going well and they're in that flow, it's movement, it's guys cutting, it's back doors, it's Draymond throwing to the, a lob to the dunker spot. You know, it's poetry when, when the Golden State Warriors are playing winning basketball. Now, there's one guy on the team that has the latitude or has the keys to go ahead and you can pound it and... Look for that crease and that's Steph. If Steph wants to hold on to it because he feels as though, you know, he wants to get a switch on Horford or he's looking to switch out on a big and now that big's out on him, okay, now I'm going to take him to the rim or he's just looking for that crease for a step-back three, he has the freedom to do that. But everybody else, I think of the Warriors, like, I I can't hold on to it. If I'm Pajemsky, I can't be Steph. The ball's got to move. i got to play. The one other guy from Steph – that you're seeing on the Warriors team that will hold on to the basketball and pound it and just you know keep that rock ex- excessively, and that's Chris Paul. Yep. And it just seems a little bit weird because he's not giving you, obviously, the same offense like that of Steph Curry. He's holding on to it because that's the way he plays. He's doing that without the pick and roll because that's not how the Warriors play basketball. And so there are times... Where it's in his hands and it's getting late in the clock. And you're seeing somebody pop out in a wing and he's just like, No, I don't want to give it to you. I'm waiting for something else. And it just sometimes he slows it down to the point where they become ineffective. So as as good as he is for the mm. team, it just looks at times a little bit weird because he's still that guy that doesn't necessarily fit in. Kind of like the old Sesame Street, which one of these doesn't fit in <laughs> with the others? It's sort of Chris Paul at times because of of him wanting to be a little James Harden esque. Well,
2: it happened last night, and I feel like it happens at least once a night when Chris Paul is playing, where the exact situation that you just laid out, where he has the ball, top of the key, maybe he's picked up his he hasn't picked up his dribble, or he's he's still currently dribbling, or he hasn't even started to dribble yet. And he's, you know, no, I don't want to pass to Kaminga on the right wing. Uh, No, Pajemski in the left corner. Sorry, I don't want to just give it to you late in the shot clock. And then you get to a point where he still has the ball in his hands, and everyone's kind of just standing around with seven seconds left, and he has to get off a shot. And the defense at that point realizes it, so they push up on him, and now he's being checked like 30 feet from the basket. So Chris Paul does what he does every single time in that situation, which is dribble to the right. You get that little fadeaway mid-range from the right wing, and sometimes he makes it because it's a shot that he's hit hundreds of times, thousands of times in his NBA career. But it's a difficult shot at the end of the shot clock, and oftentimes it misses. Um, There's just something that popped into my head when you laid out that scenario, because I've seen it time and time again this year, that exact play. Chris Paul either doesn't like what he sees, doesn't want to give it up to whoever, and probably the right decision. I'm not doubting Chris Paul's basketball decisions. Um, But then he's forced to take a really tough shot late in the shot clock, and it's almost like a wasted possession. So maybe there is a situation where the Warriors can, maybe it's not necessarily running, running, running right when they get the ball off of a rebound or a made bucket on the other end, but it's just, all right, let's 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 make a point to get into our stuff a little bit earlier in the shot clock, so we're not in a situation where Chris Paul has to try to make something out of nothing at the end of the shot clock, because that does happen relatively often. Well,
1: it's somewhat isolated, though, I think being fair, I mean, this is sort of the outlier. What he does that's in a positive for the vein for this basketball team, outweighs the negative. I think the fact that he comes into this contest, doesn't turn the ball over, balances the floor, and knows about exactly who needs the rock and where to go with it. I mean, it's like having an adult in the room. And there's more of that. There's more examples of that this year where he has had more of a positive influence on this basketball team. But there are moments where you're just like, you know, let's... Let's go. Like, (laughs) come on, old man. Why are we walking (laughs) it up the floor where he wants to get into some action that, again, to your point, that if he doesn't like the first option, well, he's hanging on too late and he's taking a fadeaway three, which is something you certainly don't want to see. But I think that that's more on sort of a limited basis. And I think that what he does from a positive perspective uh, certainly has been something that is Transpired to the success of this, or has has translated to the success of this Golden State Warrior basketball team, and with that we can segue because really the guy he replaced from a year ago is Jordan Poole. Oh, here we go. Let's just bring up the numbers. All right, huh.
2: I've waited. A, I've waited basically. I'm surprised it's taken you this long.
1: Waited all year since his departure for the return of one Jordan Poole, who is back with the Golden State War. Or back in chase with another team. Obviously, Washington. Seven of twenty-one. Seven of twenty-one.
2: Yeah, but twenty-five points.
1: Twenty-five points. He finished with a minus nine overall. Twenty-five points was, but seven of twenty-one. That's one of those where the twenty-five points are inconsequential when you're that you're you're that inefficient. Yeah. I, I'm I'm having fun at his expense, but just talk to me. What did you think about? Cuz I think it sort of caught him off guard. He seemed to be a bit emotional last night, just the whole return of Jordan Poole back in Chase last yesterday.
2: Yeah, I th- I think he was a little more emotional than he was expecting to be. It, it seemed to me like Jordan Poole kind of psyching himself up for the moment was like, "All right, you know, they're they're going to show a video, you know, I I want a championship here, but yeah, whatever. Like, I'm not going to get that emotional. I feel like the mo- emotions kind of caught him off guard. Uh, I I personally have have no ill will towards Jordan Poole, no, and I, I, I wish him absolutely nothing but the best. Um, he was key on a championship run, and I know everything that happened after that, and it was really unfortunate. For whatever role Jordan Poole played in kind of the awkwardness last year, whatever, it it seemed to me like he got dealt a a, a tough hand. Now, he did not help himself at all with his play a season ago, Um, but it is relatively clear to see that the Warriors are, at the very least, um, a more mature basketball team with Adam, and that's an interesting word considering that one of their veterans is currently suspended for the second time this season. Um, But the Warriors don't necessarily miss him because i mean what does he bring he brings an ability to score and this is what was going to happen when he was a number one scorer 7 for 21 from the field he's not yet good enough to be a consistent number one and get you 20 plus Plus points tonight in an efficient way. He would be in a more efficient number two still with the Golden State Warriors, but he obviously wanted more. But the Warriors are scoring fine; like they they don't need another scorer. He would make this team worse because he's not defending anybody. He's not always making the, the best basketball decision. Um, so I think it was a situation where the Warriors absolutely fine moving on from him and Jordan Poole wanted to be a number one somewhere else. So as far as I'm concerned, that chapter is closed and it, it doesn't really mean anything to me anymore. I'm happy that Jordan Poole got a number one gig that he so desperately wanted. Obviously, I mean, he got to the line nine times. That means something. Eight of nine from the free throw line for Jordan Poole last night, seven for 21 from the field. As you mentioned, three of 12 from downtown. Um, but the warriors are are better off without him even though they are 14 and 14 and and Jordan Poole for what it's worth has a ring and he can go on his merry way trying to make as much money as he can.
1: Yeah, you're right. Listen, there's no reason to pick at that scab. He was good in helping them win a title. I just sort of have fun at his expense. He's now it's amazing over there in Washington. Wes Unsell Jr. just literally, literally like him and Kyle Kuzma do whatever the you Hell go, you the Just jack up a three and air ball. There are no reprimands. You do you, and that's exactly what he's doing. When I look at that team, though, in all seriousness, because my big thing with him was just what you laid out. He just never fit into the way the Golden State Warriors played basketball. And I said this when things were going well and people jumped all over me because I was like, there's something to miss about this (laughs) dude. When you look at that team, all right, and think about the Golden State Warriors, I've laid out how they need you know, they need some more scoring. When you get beyond Steph, who is your number two? Nobody's really been able to rear their head at this point with the disappearance of of Andrew Wiggins, who is a good 20-point scorer. I think his career average is just about, you know, at nineteen, a little over nineteen, and Klay Thompson's inconsistency. If I was to show you the Washington Wizards last night, and I was gonna say you can have anybody on that roster to join the Golden State Warriors right now, because I know you need some scoring punch. Who on that roster, including Jordan Poole, if you could do it all over again, let's just say Jordan Poole never played with the Golden State Warriors, and I showed you that roster, I showed you the game last night, who on that team would you want to join the Golden State Warriors? And I'll help you out. I'll tell you right now, it sure as hell ain't Jordan Poole despite his 25
2: points. it's not Jordan Poole. I really like Daniel Gafford, their center. Do you like Gafford? I've
1: always been a Corey Kispert guy because Gonzaga, but yeah, I, I don't know much about Gafford. I
2: know he's Kispert, a big... Kispert would be nice just as a, a shooter off the bench for the Warriors. I don't... My point is is that Jordan Poole... It's not Jordan Poole. I agree with it you It ain't
1: Jordan Poole, and it's because of exactly what he did last night. 25 points, which I'm sure he's happy with, and anybody's looking at that stat line going, ah, oh, Jordan Poole's still filling it up. But did you see the game? Did you see the air balls? Did you see him standing like a statue as Kaminga just went right past him through the lane? He has still no interest in playing defense. He still has no interest in the nuances of this game. He still has no interest in picking it up. What it is is that Brandon Pajimski's given you in just a month into his rookie campaign that Trace, Trace Jackson Davis is light years ahead of that guy as far as you know the, the cerebral aspect of basketball and Jordan Poole Thank God, man. You were right on cue last night with that performance. 25 points, but they all meant nothing because at the end of the day, you still have no clue how this game is being played. Does that mean, yes, I know, but I got to go out the same way I came in, which was going after one Jordan Poole. All right. When we continue here, Mark, let's come on. Put things on a lighter note here. What are we going to do when we come back? Well, we're going to hear from Albert when we come back as the phone lines are backing up. 888 uh, 957 Albert, hang in there. We'll take your calls. We'll get back out to the text line when we continue with Warriors Live. More right after this on 95.7 The Game.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for
1: the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
3: You have 47 new voicemails.
0: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Warriors This Week continues on 95.7 The Game.
1: Welcome back. Listen, all this nice piano music, getting you in the mood for Christmas. Merry Christmas to one and all. And here I am, just screaming about Jordan Pool. <laughs> What's wrong with this? What's wrong with me? The text line's going, man. De Bone, calm down, brother. Uh, I'm just—it's radio shtick. That's all we're doing here. Day, a reminder, coming up at 5.30, it's the Warriors and the Blazers. Golden State trying to make it five consecutive wins and get over five hundred. Currently sitting at 14 up and 14 down. Don't forget to tune in to the pregame show beginning at 4.30 with our man Evan Giddings. And, of course, he's got you covered with the postgame show. And then everything in between, it's Tim Roy and company. It's the Warriors and the Blazers right here on 95.7 The Game. Phone lines are stacking up in the last half hour here. Let's open it up at 415876895 or 9579570 I think I just gave out somebody's phone number. I was reading off the text line here. 9579570 Filmo Mike gets us going. What's up Filmo?
3: Okay, hey, hey. What's good? I thought this was wars weekly. Not Jordan Poole Weekly, Dan. What's your no, problem, I'm sorry, You yeah. got
1: to get off his line, man. I'm just out of get
3: off his line, brother. <laughs> this is Warriors Weekly. Jordan Poole is on the Wizards. He had a great run with the Warriors. He, he was drafted the number 28 pick. He had a great run. He did what he did. You cannot handle that, man. In in which way? Draymond Green socked him in his face. He's 22 years old. He's an Instagram, social media, general Gen Z baby, bro. Like, get off his line, get off his back, bro. Like, he had a he had an average bad game. He's a he's a he's a. Everybody knows he can get 20 points a game. He got to work on his D. Everybody got flaws in their game. I don't know why you and Jordan Poole, he did this, he did that, and come on, bro, like, he's a champion. He helped us win a championship. He grew his game. If he wouldn't have done what he did, we wouldn't have had a championship. Filmo, fact. Absolutely
1: right. Happy
2: holidays. (laughs) You can always trust Filmo to bring
1: the truth. I can't argue with that, and everything you said is right, but we do lose sight of the fact how important he was. I have, um, it was sort of fun, I should have prefaced it by it's sort of my stick with him, but you can't lose sight of the fact of what he did specifically in that playoffs against Denver when Steph couldn't go. He
2: started. Oh, He started he that series. Because Steph was coming off the bench after his injury.
1: He was amazing, and he had, had much to do with him hoisting that trophy as much as I- anybody else.
2: Were you surprised at I wasn't. There was a lot of talk on this station about what the ovation, the reception was going to be like at Chase Center for Jordan Poole. Were you surprised at all that it was so universally positive? Absolutely everyone out of their seat, standing, cheering for Jordan Poole, Golden State Warriors champion.
1: Uh, subtly, I was, a little bit. Not, not, I didn't expect anybody to boo. I didn't know that they would go to that extent yeah. or to that level. And I was unaware of the video tribute. And again, I think if you're just tuning in, I think I said this earlier in the show, I think that Jordan Poole was also taken aback. I, I
2: think, think a little bit, yeah. yeah.
1: I think he was surprised. But, but well done by the Warriors. And listen, well done by Jordan Poole. I just would go back and forth with fans who would just get out to me saying that he was... yeah. You know, Well, let's not even go down that road. (laughs) God bless Jordan Poole. You do you, man. You're getting paid a lot more money than me. It's the bottom line in all of this. Mark's hanging out in Millbrae and wants to talk Warriors. What's up, Mark? How
3: are you? Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, Really loving what I'm seeing out of these young guys. Uh, I knew of Trace Jackson Davis. I didn't know he was that good. This is the result of probably four years coming in ready to play, especially for a big man where – you see, so many of these uh, guys take a couple of years to develop after only playing one year of college ball. So, to me, and rightfully, nobody on this team has a right to complain about their playing time if you're not named Curry. And as you mentioned, he he came off the bench. He's one of the greatest players of all time. So, if 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 Curry wants to make a lineup change, and I think he should, uh, and I think to me, Trey Jackson Davis has shown he should he should get a majority of the minutes there move looney to the bench and the thing i love about looney is he doesn't complain he's a he's a team guy first and foremost and i think he'll 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 rightfully take that role because i think Chase Jackson davis needs to be on the floor this kid showing what he can do out there and kaminga is really starting to thrive and if he continues to play at this level which we'll see uh then draymond and we know draymond doesn't really care he he'll come off the bench so i think kaminga And Pajemski, I love what he's saying. Keep, keep rolling with this kid. So I I just love that these young guys are really starting to find their groove here and playing, Curry's still playing at an incredibly high level, but these guys really picked it up and we needed to see this, especially at this stretch where they were playing their worst ball. The the season was getting out of hand and to, to get on this run here, uh, it really shows what they have. And after tonight, I think this, this is a game you should handle. You got a really tough stretch of games here, guys. And, I, you expect this to continue because I'm looking at, they got a lot of home games here and we know how terrible they were uh, at the beginning of the season at home. Now they just really starting to pick it up. And when, when they're playing like they are Curry is just going off and, and, and chase centers rocking. I think that's when they're at their best. So, you got a stretch of home games here, guys, and I really expect them to really handle their business. And when Draymond, at the whatever point he comes back, I think he'll take that role perfectly coming off the bench, and I think Looney will as well. So uh, what's your guys' thoughts here going forward? And Kerr finally realizing, play the damn young guys, man. These guys have shown they can be out there and perform at a high level around Curry, and they're earning his trust, which is first and foremost the most important thing. What are your guys' thoughts on that?
1: Good job, Marque. I want to put this to you. Uh, excuse me. It was it was that uh, yeah, Mark and Milbury and Mark Granny sitting in front of me. First of all, I don't think Draymond is going to sit. Draymond means too much to this team, and he's still an effective basketball player, and he's still their best defender. And if you're going to win anything, Draymond's going to be at the center of it, and he's going to be a big part of you making any sort of run in the postseason. And him with the kids makes your team only that much better. Grant, how about this? You go Splash Brothers, all right? Stephen Clay in your backcourt. How about a front court when Draymond comes back? Trace Jackson-Davis, Kaminga, and Draymond.
2: I mean, you do have the benefit of having still a decent amount of size even though you're not starting Kevon Looney because of the addition to the rotation of Trace Jackson Davis who you previously weren't even really considering as an option in that starting lineup. Uh, you get the defense from Draymond Green and the offensive playmaking. Uh, you get kind of the, the versatility defensively of Jonathan Kaminga and then the offensive slasher and that elite athletic threat and then you have the great shooting from Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. I think that lineup could work. I would still say, as I said at the very beginning, it's not that I, I don't believe in Trace Jackson Davis. It's not that I, I don't think that this is who he really is. Uh, he's had three really nice games consecutively, um, all coming off of the bench. All were teams, you know, opponent opponents weren't really expecting him to come in and, and do much. Let's give it a little bit of time with Trace Jackson Davis. I'm not putting him into the starting lineup. I'm not messing with anything going on right now. He seems to be in a good spot right now. He's just now, just now, stepping into what's looking like a consistent minutes position in the rotation, not starter. I'm going to just leave him be. Let him sit there. And I know maybe you're talking about weeks from now, a month from now, when, when Draymond Green comes back. But for me, that's not even something that I'm even considering at this moment because I just want to see him do what he's doing right now, do that for like three more weeks first, and then I'll begin to think about it.
1: I guess the reason why I mention that is because I don't know that they can play Kavon and Draymond anymore in a starting lineup.
2: It's rough offensively. Although Draymond's been shooting better. Draymond's
1: been shooting better, but you know that the reason he's shooting better is because teams are still saying, go ahead. Prove it to us. yeah,
2: I mean, every one of his threes are wide open.
1: But you're not getting any AFL offense, obviously, from Kavon and Draymond. Yeah, he's shooting better. I still wouldn't call him a good offensive player, which means that you now become that much more reliant on an inconsistent Clay Thompson. Yep. And then it was Andrew Wiggins. I don't know if it's Kaminga at that point, but I think the days of Draymond and Kavon Looney starting for the Golden State Warriors are done. You could do that, you know, back in the day, again, when you had Andrew Wiggins being Andrew Wiggins and Klay Thompson being Klay Thompson, and even going way back in the day, although Kevon Looney, uh, I don't know if he was starting back, but back in the day when you had uh, Kevin Durant, but you you had other options. But that margin of error has been so reduced now, and the consistency of scores on the basketball team, as we have talked throughout, is no longer as prevalent. So, the idea of starting Kevon Looney and Draymond Green to me, that's been there, done that. That's yesteryear. That either you look to the kids or you go another direction.
2: I have a question for you. It's yeah. something that Mark and Milbury brought up. And I actually just uh, saw San Jose Jazz fan bring it up on our YouTube chat. we got a few more minutes left. You can head over to YouTube and interact with the guys. YouTube.com slash 957thegame. Mark and Milbury said, I think Draymond Green will be totally fine. He'll be happy to accept the bench roll when he comes back. One, it's a decision that Steve Kerr would have to make, and I don't know what the decision would be if he would even decide to bring Draymond off the bench. I know you disagree with that. I agree with you that he's still a very productive player when he's been available. Do you think Draymond would willingly accept the bench role? I know people will point to what he did in the playoffs last year after his brief suspension for stomping on Sabonis. It reportedly was his idea. He approached Steve Kerr and said, Hey, I might. I think I should come off the bench for the rest of this series. That was more of a matchup thing as opposed to a larger scale, like changing of the guard kind of thing, which is what this would be if Draymond is not a starter moving forward. Do you think he would accept the bench roll right off the bat when he comes back?
1: I think he has no choice at this point because he has no leverage, right? So when Probably, he comes but back, he
2: wouldn't be happy with it.
1: He wouldn't be happy about it, but we wouldn't hear about it because he's just going to toe the perfect line. So let me get this straight. If you're Steve Kerr, you're doing this not because of disciplinary reasons. You're doing this because you think it makes you a better basketball team.
2: I would hope that's why Steve Kerr would make the decision. Yeah, and yeah. I think he would. So
1: who would it be? Just to entertain this scenario, which I don't think makes you a better team. It'd
2: probably be Trace Jackson Davis and then Kavon Looney four and five.
1: And so then who's who's Or
2: Kaminga four and Looney five.
1: So who's the three? So if you're going either Pajemski or Wiggins, okay. Yeah, I just don't think
2: Steph he, Clay Pajemski slash Wiggins, and then Kaminga and Looney.
1: Yeah, there's three guys there that I think are. It's better. the
2: current starting lineup essentially?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I've said this before. As much as I like Pajemski, uh, I like Pajemski off the bench that much more, at least at this juncture of his career, because even if he's replacing the one thing you are, is you, you become really small. And you're vertically challenged to begin with, but but Jemski, despite his rebounding abilities, um, defensively matching up. I like the idea of either having Andrew Wiggins out there, and or Draymond Green. Now I know Andrew Wiggins has got to get it going, but you certainly can't argue with the way things have gone uh, to this point. Something we have, you know, we've talked about and banded about throughout the day is how this will translate to the postseason, and whether. You know, how confident we are that these kids will be able to take this game that they're currently enjoying and the impact that they have on the team right now, and whether that's something they're going to be able to do when they taste the second season, something that they have never sniffed before, and sort of that, that level of energy and that level of excitement, whether they're, they're prone to, to be that sort of player. Uh, I, I want to kick that around. And are we completely just a week removed of a 4 0? Uh, a 4-0 undefeated week are we completely removed and no longer entertaining a trade that will bring potentially a P- Pascal Siakam to the Golden State Warriors
2: well it's going to cost Jonathan Kaminga maybe, maybe Kaminga's play uh, is enough to convince the Raptors alright we don't need a, a pick along with it or maybe we only need one pick instead of two picks along with it. I mean, obviously, you also are going to need Chris Paul or some other major contract to go with it. Um, but in terms of the young, valuable assets that teams want, and teams like the Warriors should want, and teams like the Raptors certainly want, uh, maybe Kaminga's play is a blessing for the Warriors in the sense that it would lessen what else they would have to attach to make a a deal like that. Me personally, I'm not interested, interested in trading Jonathan Kaminga. If I'm the Warriors, and again, this, this might just be me and my emotions connected to this era of Warriors basketball, I'm giving them one last try with what they currently got, unless there's just an absolute can't-miss deal that, that you, you can't say no to. But for me, giving up Kaminga for uh, a potential rental is not that deal. I don't care who the player is. It's, it's, it's not that deal for me. And um, Let it ride out with what you currently got, and then if it doesn't work out this year then you could think about in the offseason making some major changes and and leaning more heavily on the young guys but I don't think there's a deal out there for the Golden State Warriors. It would be very difficult considering their contract situations and they're kind of tied up in knots in that regard. I don't see a can't miss deal where I'm like, yeah, let's pull the trigger on Kaminga, on Moody, hell on Pajemski, on Trace Jackson Davis. I don't see it as a possibility that you get anything in return good enough to make me willing to Part with those guys. So at this point, Dan, I'm just thinking, all right, let's just let's just stick with what we got, see if it works out, knowing full well that the odds are against you, considering what this team has been now through through what a third of the season, more than a third of the season. Um, see what see what happens, and then we'll deal with the the big time major roster questions coming up this offseason. Well,
1: Pajetski and Trace Jackson Davis are off the table. You're not touching them. But when it comes to Jonathan Kaminga, he continues to be the X Factor. This time a week ago, I was talking about dealing the guy. And now he has near a near-perfect week where he looks like he grew up and became that player. I guess, is there another shoe that's going to drop where he takes a step back and suddenly he's a guy that's going that 100 miles an hour in the 35-mile-an-hour zone and somebody's just waiting for that charge and he he provides it by just simply putting his head down and can't see anything else except him in the basket. You wonder where he's at because if he continues if he continues along that path where this was just an apparition, the one thing and I'm just talking about Pascal Siakam specifically. Because Pascal Siakam is a guy right now that you don't have to worry about in the postseason. You have to worry. You know what you're getting as far as a two way player. And he's, what, 29, I want to say, years of age? So you got like that three year window where he's still very, very good. And you're matching that window with Steph, basically. That's how you look at these things. Steph, I think, is still going to be very, very good, MVP esque for the next three years. One of the best players in the league, no doubt. And so it makes sense if. When you're looking at it through that limited sort of window, that three years, Pascal, gonna, Pascal Siakam's going to be very, very good. Jonathan Domingo will still be developing. The problem is that in three years, Jonathan Domingo will be like twenty-five.
2: The other problem is that Siakam only has this year on, on his current contract, which is that's in, it.
1: I want to say thirty-eight mil,
2: thirty-seven point nine. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, that's. That's certainly something to take into account. If,
2: if you're giving up the future of Jonathan You've got to make Kamenia, sure he's
1: staying there. Well,
2: that or you're making a, a, a deal that makes you way better right now and you're going 100% all-in for a championship this season. You're signaling that th- this is it. This is the last run, which it probably is anyway. Legitimate last run. But if you are acquiring Pascal Siakam, which I would be shocked if it happens, but if you're acquiring someone who's on the last few months of his contract... It better freaking work because you're giving up an awful lot from the future to to give and I'm not saying Steph doesn't deserve it, he does, to give Steph one last legitimate chance at a championship. It better work.
1: Well, the idea and this is obviously conversations with you and the agent, you gotta make sure that the conch when the before the deals even you pull the trigger on that deal, you have conversations about with his agent, what does he need? To stay with the Golden State, what neighborhood are you looking at? And you, you have to make some sort of inroads about him being with you long term to have some level of security before you make that trade. I would, I would push back and say, is it just this year? Because if if Siakam comes back, there's. Would you not say there's at least two more years when you're talking about the core? Draymond Steph, certainly Steph, and Clay and then you think about the emergence of some of this youth and if Siakam's part of that mix, to me this isn't just, you know, it's either this year or bust.
2: I don't know, you're you're already in in cap hell.
1: Well, okay, let me rephrase that. Clay's got to take a a bargain basement deal, right? Like he's not coming back at 43 per. Well, if
2: he keeps playing like this, he's not going to want to do that. Well, then
1: you know, when you get to that point, that twenty-four mil we put on the table, that's either take it or leave it, and you'll go in another direction. So maybe it's just Steph, Draymond, Siakam and the kids. Which is to me is still, you know, championship relevant.
2: Maybe. I don't know. It's a it's a pretty big swing. It's a it's a very big swing. And it's part of the reason why I mean the is Pascal Siakam a quality basketball player? Yes. Would he make this Warriors team better? Yes. I agree. But there's so many things that have to go right for it to even happen in the first place, let alone be worthwhile in the future. Like, we can forget about... All of the conversation about, all right, well, can you re-sign him? You're in cap hell. How are you going to make this work? You have the Chris Paul expiring contract. That's probably the piece that's going out to Toronto to make it happen in the first place. Like then the, the Pascal Siakam becomes becomes the expiring contract, and you don't just have the room to sign him because you, you acquired him. Forget all of that, which is a major hurdle for the Warriors. Are we certain that the Raptors would take Kaminga and a pick plus Chris Paul? No. Like, I I don't think the Warriors have a package that they would be comfortable putting together to make this work. I I don't think there's a move out there, a a move that moves the needle enough to make it even worthwhile for the Warriors to consider that's going to fix their issues. I think they're just at a point where, for the most part, they're going to have to stick with what they got, And what they got, at least right now, is playing a whole lot better. And what they got has potential to still improve because what they got is a handful of youngsters that is leading them to victories right now. Now, things can change when they play tougher teams again. When they go out on the road, they're playing do-or-die teams in, you know late February and March and April and you get into the playoffs and you're playing all these important games, you try to avoid the play-in tournament and you get down to the stretch of the regular season and Jonathan Kaminga makes a bad turnover at the very end and costs you the sixth seed. And instead, you're in the play-in tournament. Like That's a real possibility for the Golden State Warriors. But I think their reality is, all right, let's ride with what we got. We'll see how it works out.
1: I think at the end of last season and I've talked about this on numerous occasions, the end of last year, you just had that feeling. It was palpable that the Golden State Warriors had Steph Curry, and the Lakers removed Steph by blitzing him, and Steph still got his, but there was nobody else to offset Steph's scoring. There was always this question, who's the number two? Who else can score the ball consistently that's not named Steph Curry? And they dealt with that early on in the season. And I think the Warriors knew that, at the end of last year. And I think partially, and certainly the, the acquisition of Chris Paul didn't address that, but I think what the Warriors, maybe they don't admit this publicly, were thinking all along was one of the kids has to make that next step. That Jonathan Kaminga can be that guy that can offset the scoring. Or that it's somebody in-house that we've yet to identify. And if you think about it, that's still very much a potential. Like To me, that's the best-case scenario for the Golden State Warriors, where they don't have to go and trade their youth to get somebody who's an established score. That they can have somebody that is already there. But Jonathan Kaminga, who a lot of people feel is the guy that has the potential, has to do this on a more consistent level. It can't be Warriors this week, Jonathan Kaminga, wow, (laughs) he's finally there, and then Warriors this week, Jonathan Kaminga is a trade piece. Like, it's we have got to get to a point where every time we do one of these shows, Jonathan Kaminga has established himself as a guy that now understands the pace, understands the way the Warriors want to do it, and has given you big numbers.
2: Well, you've been consistent the last two weeks, <laughs> Trey Jonathan Kaminga, <laughs> right?
1: I swap them. I, I, well, I recognize what it is that he's doing. I still think that you know, I, I got to see it for a longer period of time.
2: Yeah, starts tonight. We'll see. Uh,
1: I'm a a complete believer. Speaking of tonight, don't forget, you keep it right here, beginning with the pregame show at 4.30 with our man Evan Giddings, and then handing things off to Tim Roy, who will take you right up until tip-off. It's the Golden State Warriors and the Portland Trailblazers as the Warriors try and make it five in a row, go over 500 at 15 and 14. For my man Mark Grandy, this is Dan Vaughn. Until next week, when we see you back here on Warriors this week, enjoy the game, enjoy the rest of the day, and happy holidays,
0: everyone. Goodbye.